Welcome to Terror Talk. Before we start the show today, I wanted to give you a heads up about our Patreon community. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron and join our Discord community, where we watch film together and chat daily. You also have early access to our episodes and a mini-cast that we do exclusively for Patreon members. Also, check out our new website at terrortalkpodcast.com. Follow along as we build it together. Most of all, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. Today on the show, we are going to start a little bit of a mini series, I guess, on Doctors Who Kill. So our first conversation here is going to be about Christopher Dunch. Uh, He was born April 3rd, 1971. A former neurosurgeon called Dr. D or Dr. Death was his one of his nicknames. It's always a good nickname for a doctor. Right. And it's interesting because as I go through and look for and find other doctors that we're going to explicate, they are often called Dr. Death. So even if you you know, in your original research, if you Google Dr. Death, you'll actually come up with far more than just one. Mm-hmm. So it seems to be the moniker that is named uh, for these types of doctors. And they're varied in their psychology. So we thought we would start with him. I think, Kathy, you were going to start with maybe his crime. So those who aren't familiar. Well, we'll just sum it up case. and then we can, we can, um, yeah, talk through as much as we want about it. But he... Um, He's a former neurosurgeon whose gross malpractice resulted in the maiming of several patients and killing two of them while working at hospitals in Dallas, Fort Worth. So he um, essentially was a (laughs) reckless sociopathic doctor who would um, put people under the knife and completely botch the surgeries and maim them despite... uh, even nurses and other surgeons in the room saying, what are you doing? Uh, He would perform these really elaborate and unorthodox surgeries to say the least. But more importantly, the patients would wake up if they did wake up in excruciating pain. Some of them uh, literally walked themselves into the hospital and they would wake up from these surgeries, not even being able to move their legs. Uh, There was one patient specifically who um, he had put uh, he had lost a screw in her body and put And then he was the lack of better words putting her together at the end, these nurses are sitting there watching going, Oh my God. Um, he just, I'm, I'm just going to read the Shannon cause I think yeah, this, is, this is really important. So this is, this is a report from nurse uh, Kissinger. So there, there was a specific patient, um, who was having difficulty during the surgery due to his negligence. And so his idea was that he wanted to perform a craniotomy uh, to let some of the the blood out that was uh, in her brain. And they're looking at him going, first of all, we don't even have the equipment in this hospital to do that. We are not doing that. He had to be told no several times. So he starts to have like this shit fit during the surgery. So he leaves the room and he leaves the patient on the table with an exposed spine Uh, He loses the screw inside the body tissue and insists to staff that it was sitting in the bone despite the x-ray. So talk about a narcissist. He's like, it's right there. And they're like, show show us on the x-ray. There's no screw in there. So he bullies the staff while he keeps, this this part is somewhat uh, graphic. 
he starts to drill into this woman. Then he takes the screw out, puts it back in. He's drilling back and forth and removing it like you would a screw into the wall if you're trying to fix a picture. And this nurse is going, we had never, we're all sitting there like in utter terror and disgust. We had never seen a doctor just like, and he's like rageful as he's doing it. Um, And then at the end, he adds a screw to her tailbone at the end of the surgery, but puts it in like this really, almost like you're fixing, I I hate to, I know she's a human being, but just to give you an idea, puts it in almost like you would a piece of Ikea furniture that doesn't fit together, Mm -hmm. okay? And he says this, I can leave her just like that, she will be fine. And the patient ends up losing a third of her blood volume during surgery and her legs were lifeless when she woke up and she walked herself into that hospital. This is one of many and two of his patients actually died. Only two. I'm surprised. Yeah. Like only two. <laughs> and the, well, and the rest are left excruciatingly debilitated. And I mean, it, this is just a nightmare. Right. So I know that there's an excellent podcast series by Wondery called Dr. Death. So check that out. It's got two seasons already, I think, that goes, you know, very, really far into the nuts and bolts, pardon the pun, of like what he did, his case, his his crimes. But that's just one example. And they have a lot of uh, interviews with the actual uh, victims and talking about the different um, things that they experienced. And what I noticed is that, you know, they, they woke up crippled. Yes. Like every time. Yes. Like I think he was, what was he convicted of? He was accused of injuring 33 out of 38 patients in less than two years before his license was revoked by the Texas medical board. Yeah. He was sentenced to life in prison in 2017 Here's the thing. He started harming his patients as early as 2011 Mm. and was allowed to practice until his license was suspended in 2013 because he was under investigation. So I'm going to digress here for a second because this is just something that we see. um, uh, First of all, we want to look at the fact that privilege because of gender, because of color, because of uh, socioeconomic status. So you look at somebody like him and you assume that he's credible. You assume that he's responsible. He, the way they described him was charming and all this stuff. He's a Caucasian male, by he's the way. He's a Caucasian we, we male. Say that. Um, so he created this very charming, competent exterior. So I, if you've listened to our show before, you've, you all know that I work for the University of Southern California, which has had its uh, share of controversy. <laughs> and we're finally coming out of it. But we had a, a gynecologist who was uh, arrested, finally put on trial, um, George, Dr. George Tyndall, who over about three decades had uh, over 400 victims who he uh, assaulted, sexually harassed, molested. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them were um, foreign exchange students who had never been to a gynecologist before, who English was their second language. Horrible. His license plate was co-ed doc. Really? That was his license plate. I mean, that's straight out of like the sex offender handbook as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Anyway, the reason I bring this up is this man, there were a lot of uh, reports early on 
and enough that they decided to let him go from the university, Mm -hmm. but never reported him to the medical board. Then when he came back and reapplied to come back to SC, they started to investigate more and nurses started to speak up. I mean, this man had pictures of women on his camera that he would show other patients very vivid, like, well, this is a picture. This is what it looks like inside of you. And like, just really, really, but he was able to practice by the time he lost his license, his career was over anyway. And he had damaged over 450 women. So it's like that's a theme in the doctors who kill. Yes, type of situation, and I guess it's a theme with Dunches that he was. They are able to continue on even in the face of overwhelming evidence. And it sounds to me like was it the case that many nurses and many people witnessed what he was doing even at an internship level and weren't able to say anything? Oh yeah. So um, okay. So for example, it said in addition. uh, So he was incredibly negligent. So in addition to like his narcissism, he participated in about a hundred surgeries during his time in the program and his education. Most neurosurgeons take part in about a thousand before completing residency, and his first job, even though he only had a hundred. Uh, surgeries under his belt, his first job paid $600,000 a year. Yeah, I saw that. So crazy. So two facilities quietly dumped him. And and (laughs) quietly, that's my problem with it. That's the problem. And then they failed to report him um, to a database run by the U.S. Department of Health. So this makes, uh, this basically, like what they're saying in this article, is it makes this doctor somebody else's problem right? Just let him go to another hospital. It took six months and multiple catastrophic surgeries before anyone reported him to the state medical board. It took another year to investigate, which allowed him to do more damage during this time. You know, what's I think interesting about him and I, and you know, you tell me with psychology about this is it's like, I think what differentiates him from some of the others that we might look at is that he would specifically like hack and maim and purposely like sever arteries and yes and operate on different the the wrong part, the wrong disc the wrong part of someone whereas that isn't the average kind of doctor who kill a lot of the doctors who kill are sort of coming from this I'm I'm doing away you know a motivation of I'm doing away with people who don't matter or I'm helping them not suffer or getting very much the narcissistic ego strokes of having everyone love you and kind of getting away with things. This, this, this is a very different tenor. To I me. feel like this guy was, there was a sadistic, mm-hmm. uh, he loved the idea that he could create this much pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like the two people who died, that that was accidental. I don't even know if his intention was to kill or if his intention was to maim and torture because so many of these people just like, you know, putting the screws in wrong or all that. Another thing too, and maybe we can even just break down his psyche a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So Kissinger says in, in this podcast that you were just talking about, he said, you know, another surgeon noticed he hadn't changed his scrubs in three days. He had a small hole in the back of his pants and he never wore underwear. So you could always tell that he had those pants on. Of yeah. course he didn't wear underwear. Um, and he, 
so there was this question of sterility, mm. you know, because Kissinger saying Kissinger's was one of the nurse. He was the, uh, the OR nurse. Okay. And he would say, you know, that is just, we all change our scrubs before every, and he was coming in disheveled and wearing the same scrubs. Yeah. So this is a guy that was not at all. I mean, he was, do you ever see the horror movie, the dentist? Yeah. It was like, how much can I, just wreak havoc and torture and and make people suffer and then i know that there there's some reports from ex-girlfriends or whatever that said he you know he was addicted to uh painkillers and alcohol and he was just he was a mess yeah i mean i was looking at some of I don't know if you read a, a bunch of his quotes, like of the things that he oh, said. Yeah, I, I have some here. <laughs> um, and then I also wondered if you had anything about like where he came from or like how he got this way. Any any thoughts about that too? Was, would be a question. I mine. don't. I don't know much about his childhood. I know that his father was like a a, a missionary and a physical therapist, and his mother was a teacher, but I don't know much about his upbringing. I would imagine that he just was this kind of skated by in high school. When you really look at him, he's really not that good, good looking, to be honest. Um, that he just seems like a con artist that he's conned his way through. He's to me, he seems more like a sociopath. Like he loves the sadistic. It's not just about, I mean, he's a narcissist for sure. Sure. So, I don't know what created that in him, mm -hmm. but I just know when you look at his trajectory and the way that he performed these surgeries and what his crimes are, the majority of them are not causing people to die. However, um, you know, he was, um, he did really enjoy the attention. So it's, it's interesting because like, here's a, a narcissist who loves all of this attention yet. He's also pulling some pretty um, negative attention to himself, but I don't know if that's just the, the delusion because he was able to, to really talk himself out of that, you mm -hmm. know, and really be able to gaslight, like, no, that's not what happened. And I, I did the right thing and look at, you're looking at the x-ray wrong and all this stuff. I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of megalomania going on. Like I noticed some of his stuff is sort of about building an empire, like wanting to build an empire. Like he said, unfortunately you can understand that I really am building an empire and I am so far outside the box that the earth is small and the sun is bright. I have three lawsuits. I have $1 million in debt, $10 million invested and 22 years of pain and misery already on the table. Mm. Like that victim, Pain and misery, too. Yeah. He, it said during his residency, other doctors noticed that he'd be under the influence during operating, too. It's yeah, like, wasn't he, addict, addict, he was addicted to drugs. But right? it's like, how did you even get to finish school? Well, no, there's eyewitnesses of, of him doing um, cocaine or meth or whatever before surgeries. And they, those things were reported or no, he they would. There was one doctor who Lord. sort of said to him. You know, what are you doing? You're supposed to, you know, you're about to go into surgery or what have you. And he was like, I don't get involved in my personal life was his kind of response. So this is, so. I have a couple quotes here. So first of all, you know, the, the best spine surgeon in Dallas was self-described right after his training, right? It'd be like, I'm the best psychologist. I just graduated. <laughs> I'm an intern. <laughs> so he says this, anyone close to me thinks that I am some, something... <laughs> 
This here's the delusion. Anyone close to me thinks that I am something between God, Einstein, and the Antichrist, because how can I do anything I want and cross every discipline boundary like it is a playground and never, ever lose? I'm going to stop there before the next one dissect that. There's our answer. How much can I get away with? And people still believe me to be good at what I do. Like how many boundaries can I cross? How many, how can, how many screws can I fuck up in somebody's spot? It was a game for him. Yeah. Like what, and, and it worked for a long time. Right. In other words, he was right. Right. <laughs> it, in the world that he was playing in, he right. was right. He could do all of that. What I am being is what I am, one of a kind, a motherfucking stone cold killer that can buy, own, or steal, or ruin, or build whatever he wants. He sends this rant after being hired. He gets observed by a seasoned surgeon who says he can't even wield a scalpel. I mean, this guy is, he, they really are all different because this guy's they one really of the kind. They really are. Yeah. I mean, what, what ended up happening is, is you know, we were going to talk, have a, a short conversation about this guy. And I, it just opened up a whole thing for me because they're all very different. They act, And a lot of times we lump certain psychological profiles into one and we'll do an episode on four or five, you know, because they all kind of fit the same sort of situation. But this, for me, this is much more like, um, like serial killers in the sense that they might all look on the outside, like they're very similar. And certainly if there are serial killers, there's certain criteria that gives you that name. But once you dissect them, as we've done with, you know, Bundy Dahmer, it's uh, Ramirez, they're all, they have, there's some commonalities. So mm -hmm. what I would love to do going forward is, is loop in some of the commonalities that we see, but they're very unique in their motives and agendas. And I, and I think what you're saying and what I'm hearing and what I read was that this person's, although we might not know his necessarily, uh, his motives for, he wasn't picking specific people. So it wasn't about that. It wasn't like he was making his way through, specific victims it was just whoever ended up being on his table right right so and the idea was to do whatever the fuck he wanted i think the biggest tragedy of of this case was uh and there's a multiple articles that talk about this is how preventable it was oh, okay there is a trajectory of uh malpractice negligence drug abuse um not having enough uh, um, experience. Um, scope of practice, basically, right? Like out of his scope of practice for specific Totally out of, of his surgeries. scope of practice and competency. Gotcha. And so over the course of 2012 and 2013, so many of these people's lives could have been spared. And and I think, you know, as as mental health professionals, we know that if we see someone who's acting unethically or illegally, our responsibility is first to go to the source and try to talk to that person. If not, if, if that doesn't change, then reporting them. Mm -hmm. And I understand that in, in hospitals and, um, uh, 
medical offices, there's a, there's a lot of politics and the, the difference between, you know, nurses and doctors and the power differentials. And this is sort of what happened in the, the George Tyndall case as well, which is it was the nurse who was trying to report and nobody was taking her seriously, despite what she had witnessed herself. Um, you know, he would ask the nurse to leave the room while he did breast exams, which we know if, if you have a, a male doctor, they now always invite a nurse into the room. And, and so all of this stuff adds up, you know, doctor, and then these doctors are brought in to clean up his mess, put their license on the line. How does this go on this long? And there's no further investigation. And during this investigation, with all the evidence on the table, people saying, we've watched him do drugs. He doesn't have competency. Why do, does he get two years of investigation? And during those two years, people's lives are being lost or completely annihilated. That's the part that astounds me. Where are the regulations? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because it doesn't surprise me that it was... He did a lot of damage, but it was only over the course of a couple of years. Yeah. Right? Um, including his residency, I guess, or including his internships. It was only over the course of a few years. And it was and it was a devastating, like, 38 people but or something like that. I mean, I, I, I... But what I'm saying, what I was about to say was, like, it doesn't surprise me because he's so, so megalomaniac, so, uh, like disorganized really about it totally so because it's like when we talked about ramirez it's like he's flamed out really fast because some of like the next person that i'm gonna i want to talk about in an episode is dr harold shipman and Mm he killed a lot hundreds of people over 20 years right so this 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 makes sense to me that he would say things like there's this one quote where this guy dunge says you know, never fucking argue with me and banter or whatever the fuck in front of anyone. When we are alone, you know, you can, my love for you will let you do so because that is your nature, but not in front of my lawyers, accountants, partners, and employees and friends, and never when I'm not standing there, you know? So like, it's Mm -hmm. like that attitude of like him telling someone that, you know, he's in a relationship with like, don't argue in front of people. Like, don't question me in front of people. I will let you do that in our intimate relationship. But no, you know, like that sort of outrageous kind of trying to control someone else Mm -hmm. and all that stuff you're saying about like thinking of himself as Satan, basically as Antichrist or God or Einstein or I'm some combination of these deities. Yeah. Like, like that's that, um, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. And people will still, that's the psychopathy. Yeah. I mean, he sounds like a psychopath to me. Yeah. But maybe you tell me, I don't know. I don't know enough about his, his background. Um, you know, on the drugs too. Mm-hmm. So. No fear response. Um, although the thing is with psychopaths is they usually, they usually don't care as much about what people think of them. Yeah. So he was more on the narcissistic. I think he's more of a narcissistic sociopath that kills that kills. Cause as we know, not all, not all sociopath, but I mean, Bundy, I think Bundy was a sociopath. Yeah. It's just, right? I'm, I'm, trying to just tease it out for the yeah. listener because as we've said many times like you don't you don't have to be violent to be a sociopath and you also don't have to be violent to be a narcissist that's so. right but yes a sociopath because and so with this with the psychopath and not all psychopaths kill either but most of them have the antisocial 
piece, um, they'll, they'll lie even if it doesn't make them look good. Right. You know, they just, they're just like, I need to, I have my mission. Mm -hmm. He was way too narcissistic. Mm -hmm. Um, that I don't know. I mean, this is where our, where mental health gets complicated because for sure some psychopaths are narcissistic as well. But when I think of a psychopath, it's, it isn't someone who really cares so much about what the world thinks of him. It's more so like he's just in cold blood Mm -hmm. and just doing what he needs to do. And I think we, if he was a psychopath, we would just see him. uh, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, if we're looking at like a primary psychopath, we'd be looking at somebody a little bit more organized and together and, and perfectionistic. I mean, this guy was a, he was slovenly and he was just, he didn't have a shit together. And I, I don't know, there was just something very impulsive about him and yeah, random. I don't know. That's how I feel about it too. A lot yeah. of the doctors who kill that you look at are incredibly organized, incredibly bright. Yeah. Um, very specific about why and how they're doing it. They may not, you know, cop to that later, but it's just very evident what they're doing. They, they often are, I think, uh, make good relationships with people like very respected in the community. Mm -hmm. A lot of that kind of thing. There's not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them, this one is very unique in the sense that like, he's just all over the place. He's unlikable. Yeah. Nobody wants to be around him. Despite what he thinks of himself. Oh, well, in, in because of what he, thinks <laughs> no, no, of I'm saying like, he really believes they do. I guess yeah, no, yeah. I understand. Yeah. So there's a mini series based on the podcast, uh, by Wondery that's, um, going to star, uh, Joshua Jackson, Alec Baldwin and Christian Slater. So I, I don't believe it's, it's happened. I know that he's also been profiled on CNBC's American greed this year and oxygen did a series on like criminal medical health professionals. And, and we're going to do our own uh, little series here about psychology. I know that uh, about this psychology, I know that his conviction was one of the first instances where like a doctor was imprisoned for malpractice um, and was a precedent setting case. I didn't know if you had any comments about that, the case or the, um, convictions that you wanted. I'm, I'm actually quite shocked that he got this, the sentence that he did. Okay. Um, just because I feel like that is a really heavy sentence given his profile. Um, I don't know much about the case. I didn't go much into the, the court piece. Um, but I, I, I do feel like they were certainly making a statement with his, with his sentencing, but I am quite, I'm a little shocked that that, he he got that heavy handed of a of a sentence. You think maybe that's because of what we've been talking about, his like clear and present <laughs> I don't know. The maybe the maiming and the butching butchering is something that people are less likely to tolerate than the putting people to sleep thing. Yeah, I mean I think and honestly, like here's the thing. You they think- had all these live people to say right he butchered me which is very different than having a bunch of you know it's very different in our culture than having 200 elderly dead people well and here and here's another thing to think about imagine the jury selection being pretty easy yeah who would who would look at this guy and go eh, i'd go to him mm-hmm. i mean i don't care if you're black white asian female male lgbtq doesn't matter what profile you have on the jury mm-hmm. 
there is everyone has anxiety about going to a doctor because we don't want to get sick or harmed or whatever. And so we put a lot of faith and a lot of trust in surgery and medicine and going to the doctor. I don't care what your demographic is. There isn't one person I know unless they're psychopathic themselves. They're going to look at this guy and go, I really don't think he should be sentenced that harshly because yeah. you're going to compare yourself to what if I went to him? Cause it's a completely vulnerable and submissive Ugh, state. Totally. We put our hands in doctor in, we put ourselves in doctor's hands. That's right. And it's a profound fear of everyone. Like you said, to, to put your hands, to put yourself in the wrong hands. So in that sense, I can see why the verdict was probably easy as far as how they got him. Well, and they finally convicted of an injury to an elderly person. He right. finally, he finally uh, hurt an elderly person. And that's how they got And him. that's how they got but him. They, but he maimed all these young people first. Yeah, which clearly didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And then got life imprisonment. Like It's crazy. I guess he's incarcerated at the OB Ellis unit of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And, he, and a neurosurgeon nonetheless. I know. And as early as possible, parole would be in 2045. <sighs> so we'll see. Any last thoughts about him? No. He's... Ugh. Okay. He's, he's disgusting. I can tell. He's terrifying. This was not at all. <laughs> this was completely one-sided. Yes. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for listening. Um, this has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.